In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 245th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with your 245th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this episode, Who's the Best Fit for GM and Head Coach? We're going to share some thoughts, look at the three finalists for the GM GM job, and discuss the seven people, seven people who have been interviewed for the head coaching job. Look at the uh, NFC playoffs afc playoffs and then the draft order we're also going to hear from matt shop who retired after six 17 seasons in the national football league matt shared with us his thoughts on the early stages of his retirement what he liked to do in retirement and uh talked about he discussed his days at houston with the texans and rick smith who is one of the finalists for the GM job, Rick Smith, Terry Fontenot, and Brad Holmes are the GM finalists. So we're going to go right into our first topic, the GM candidates. Rick Smith's 50. Brad Holmes, 41. And Terry Fontenot, 40. Uh, Rick Smith's got the most experience. He started his career out in Denver, then went to Houston. He was there from 06 to 17. He was the executive vice president of football operations for the Texans from 12 to 17 and general manager the whole time there. Uh, he took over for Charlie Casserly and was responsible for all aspects of the football operation, including the salary cap, which, you know, is an issue with the Falcons moving forward. Played at Purdue, and he drafted potential Hall of Famers J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins. Now, why he may not be a good fit, um, you know, he also traded for Shop. We said that that was a good deal for them. He got them into the playoffs, made them AFC South contenders, and, uh, you know, just got messy at the end with uh, what happened with Bill O'Brien. I'm sure they could figure that out. Uh, Brad Holmes, 41. He's with the Rams, director of college scouting. Just completed his eighth season as director of scouting for the Rams and 18th uh NFL season. He oversees the college scouting department, manages all scheduling and operations for the area scouts. He's responsible for assigning cross-check coverage nationwide during the fall season in addition to evaluating all NFL draft prospects nationwide. His father, Mel, was a fifth-round draft choice of, out of North Carolina A&T and played for the Steelers. 71 to 73. Uh, feather in his cap is Aaron Donald. He gets credit for that one. 
you know, just coming from the Rams, he had to be in the room when they were picking him. And we know a lot of people, uh, he didn't have the right height, uh, you know, and they get into the measurable. So, uh, but Aaron Donald was a home run for the Rams and uh, uh, be uh, active here in the playoffs this week. Terry Fontenot is the uh, Saints Vice President, Assistant General Manager, Pro Personnel. See, I'm thinking last time they went college guy with Dimitrov because they were going to be building through the draft. They needed to nail the Matt Ryan. They needed to nail the quarterback. This time, they think they got some veteran building stones, building blocks. The draft, yeah, you got to nail this first one. But um, with the salary cap situation being that it is, you got to know you're going to have to raise some rosters and get some talent that's, you know, bubbling up their second, third year guys uh, on vet minimums and so forth. And um, pro personnel guy like Fontenot would make sense. So he uh, has worked with Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton over there. They they built that that team through a mix. That's what the Falcons are going to have to do. Uh, free agents. Demario Davis, uh, trades, Quan Alexander, uh, draft, Cam Jordan, Trey Hendrickson in the third round, Malcolm Jenkins. They let him go, but they went back and got him. Uh, they've been able to build a team with uh, salary cap issues for years. <laughs> They're still in salary cap madness there, but they are also still playing football and have won four straight NFC South titles. The... Um, also, Mr. Fontenot played at Tulane for our guy, former Falcons tight end coach Chris Selfo. Told me his job. <laughs> he once told me his job was to get Tony Gonzalez onto the bus. <laughs> he was so funny, but uh, he did more than that. Way more than that. But uh, that was his job. But, but uh, Fontenot played for him at Tulane, where in not, from 1999 to 2002, he was a team captain in 01 and uh, on the 2002. Hawaii Bowl team, so uh, he played. Coach Chris said he was a good player. He did what he was, he did all he could with what he had. He played safety there, so uh, I know that certainly. Um, I know that feeling. You know, you placed. You know, he did. He did what he could, and uh, you know, had to lane though. So it wasn't like he was, you know, out there slumming it around. But that's Terry Fontenot. Those are our three. Finalists, we have a story on AJC.com today where uh, that was confirmed through um, a person familiar with the situation that those are our three finalists. So before we go to the coaches, let's hear from Matt Shop. Then we'll go to coaches, do the playoffs, and then we'll go back to some Matt Shop part two. Then we'll finish with the draft. I got here's Matt.
at Tails or training camp, I think that's when it'll hit me that, you know, I don't have any anything to prepare for as, as a player. So um, I think that's when it'll really sink in. And, and the reflection time, yeah, I mean, I think that's just something as you get in your later years. It, it, it's constantly in your head. You think back to things when you first were coming in the league and uh, things like that. So I think that's just going to be a process that worked through mentally here over the next few months. Okay. okay. Hey, um, you know, did you, you know, growing up in PA, did you envision this as a, you know, potential for you? Oh, with playing this long in the NFL? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I mean, no, I, I think, uh, it was a dream. I mean, that, it was never something. It was a goal. It was a dream. If somebody would aspire to potentially have happened, but that was it. I mean, you know, you, I think you never really envision that. You just think about having an opportunity to put on a, a uniform, and you know, then moving into college. Because growing up playing football, basketball, baseball, you know, I didn't know what. I just loved sports. I didn't know which one. I wanted to do, and you know, it wasn't until the end of my high school career when you know I decided football was going to be what I wanted to do in college. And then once you get there, when I was at Virginia. It was I want to get on the field. I just want an opportunity to play. I mean, it was still NFL was a a dream, just something a goal, and you know, out there in the distance. And you know, then once I started playing and had some success, and our team had some success, then I realized, you know what, this this dream, this goal is a lot closer than than I thought. And so then it was just have an opportunity to play, get on the team, get drafted, and, which I was fortunate when the Atlanta Falcons drafted me in 2004. So, you know, then, then it's just the natural progression of resetting your sights and your goals and your aspirations with each of those steps. And so... Um, and once you get in, get in the league, you know, I think initially a lot of guys would say, you know, get to double digits. That would be awesome, you know, to get to 10. And then you just reset it again from there. But it's been, it's been a long journey. I've been very fortunate and blessed. So, you know, I don't think growing up in Pennsylvania that I would have envisioned this at all. But it was something that with each hurdle, each stepping stone, you just kind of reset those goals and those that, that vision you have for yourself and um, go from there. And um, I know Coach Neff talks, he claims he has his only son. <laughs> He's got girls, I guess. But uh, uh, how instrumental was he in, in your your uh, you know time in the league? Yeah, absolutely. Coming in as a young player, as a, a quarterback especially, he's our offensive coordinator here my first three years. You know, I backed up Michael Vick. And, um, so there's a lot I, I could learn. Yeah. Um, not only from watching Mike, but how he handled the team and the offense and game plans and, you know, the, the ebbs and flows of the season and the game. And then with Coach Knapp and his um, success and his tenure in the league, you know, from his days in San Francisco and, um, you know, the quarterbacks he had been around, um, like Steve Young and uh, Jeff Garcia and, and those players, you know, it was easy for me to just learn and grow. And he had a real find plan for how to teach young quarterbacks how to be a pro, how to go through reads, read with our feet, you know, go through a progression, identify defenses. I think it's one of his strongest attributes is being able to help prepare someone to play in the game and just, you know, cut out the, the information that isn't important, what you don't need to know and really focus on. 
that was Matt Schaub talking about Greg Knapp there at the end. A uh, little um, insight to his career as he sets off into retirement. All right, the coaches, Raheem Morris, Eric Bieniemy, finally getting an interview in Houston. That's where Deshaun, they got to try to keep Deshaun Watson happy. Uh, Robert Sala, Joe Brady, Nathan, Nathaniel Hackett, Arthur Smith, and Todd Bowles. Uh, not on the list so far is Brandon Staley, unless it's happened in the last 30 minutes. That's the Rams defensive coordinator. Uh, Raheem Morris, interim coach here, 4-12. and 12. Uh, You know, there's a couple scenarios where he, um, you know, maybe replaces Salah in San Francisco. Uh, uh, or, you know, he's the coach here, of course. Eric Bieniemy. You know, he's uh, the, one of the hottest candidates out there. A lot of people talking about him. Don't know where he's going to land. Houston would probably be a good spot if he doesn't get the job here. Robert Silas from Dearborn, Michigan. A lot of speculations about the Lions there. Uh, the Jets just brought him back in for a second interview. Joe Brady's 31. Um, I don't think Arthur Blank's going with a basically a college coach again after uh, – Bobby Petrino, but I could be wrong. Uh, the most interesting one to me was Nathaniel Hackett. I was, you know, my Green Bay folks were, uh, uh, you know, helpful in getting us stuff about from Aaron Rodgers, from Nate Hackett, and um, and Coach Lafleur on him when he uh, became known that he was interviewing with the Falcons. So he's got endorsements from Lafleur and uh, Rodgers. Then uh, uh, Arthur Smith. Tennessee, understand that the families know each other, uh, the Smiths and the Blanks. So there's a natural connection there. You know, Arthur ran that power offense. Um, one of the readers pointed out to me that he's running LaFleur's offense, so that, thereby that makes it Shanahan's offense. And, uh, you know, Derrick Henry looks a lot different with Derrick Henry pounding that rock. Uh, Henry got slowed in the playoffs, and, you know, he's – He's more credited with resurrecting Ryan Tannehill's career. If he can do that with Tannehill, he should be able to uh, do that with uh, Matt, you know, be fine for the end of Matt Ryan's career. Matt certainly got more physical, uh, you know, arm strength and all that than, than Tannehill. Uh, but Tannehill could run. I remember that at A&M and in Miami. But uh, they've done a good job over there, and Arthur Smith would uh, – you know, certainly a strong candidate here on this list. And then Todd Bowes, I like him as a fit for a veteran team. You know, kind of continue that no-nonsense approach that Raheem had some success with at the beginning. Uh, you know, he's going to also, you know, blitz and create a pass rush. He's going he's gonna to do that. Uh, I think they were the most uh, blitzing team, uh, blitz uh Heavy team in the league last year, and that's with JPP and Shaquille Barrett. Because he had to, because his corners were bad. You know, Carlton Davis came along, but, um, you know, if he left his corners out there, it was going to be a long day. So, Todd uh, won 10 games in his first year with the Jets, then it went downhill. That might not have been a bad reflection on Todd as, as, as it was the dysfunction of the Jets. So, you know, if he got a second shot, that'd be a good good one. Uh, Brandon Staley's a younger guy, Perry, Ohio. Spent some time at John Carroll. Uh, football people know that's a storied place. 
that uh, gave us John Don Shula. And so um, he's certainly um, he's got the Rams as the number one defense in the league with Aaron Dono up there raising Kane and Jalen Ramsey. So he knew what to do with that thing. So th those we haven't had an interview with him, and he was only mentioned in a report. So we haven't been able to confirm an interview for him. Or in as long as the Rams are in the playoffs, they the, those windows are tighter. So you know that's it. Where the coaches are, I, I think they're gonna. Looks like they're going GM now, and the GM's gonna have some say on the coach. And uh, it's my understanding that Fontenot Brady's not really a. A connection. I mean, they're not connected at the hip. Yeah, they were both at the Saints, uh, but but that's not that's not a, a match to be looking at right now. Um, and then if we gotta match them, uh, you know, it's gonna be tough to match them because there there's no direct links. That's the only direct link is you know to uh, Fontenot and Brady. They would have been there at the same time. But as you know, the pro personnel guys, yeah, they would have been there at the same time. So Eric, and uh, there's no connections to Smith, Holmes, or Fontenot. I'm sure they all know each other. Uh, so yeah, they got that's the the they got one. They're getting close on one, uh, and then they'll try to match up with the coach so they can have that shared vision that they keep talking about and that collaborative effort and being on the same page and all that kind of good stuff. So let's get ready for the playoffs, man. The Super Wild Card, that was so much fun last weekend, uh, watching the games. And then uh, the Browns just taking it to the Steelers at the end. That was uh, six games of, uh, you know, good football. It was all the way. It was outstanding. Had a great time uh, watching those games. Now this weekend, we got a... Uh, the NFC, we got two Saturday games, two Sunday games. Then we'll be down to the championship round. This will be the divisional round. On Saturday, you got the Rams at Green Bay starting things off at 435. Rams 10-6, Packers finish 13-3. Then at 815, you got Baltimore at Buffalo. Wow, the Saturday games are probably better than the Sunday games. Wow. Yeah, the Ravens, man, they went at Tennessee. They didn't let Derrick Henry do anything. So, yeah, 11-5 versus Buffalo, 13-3. That's Lamar and uh, and Jarrett going at it, Jared Allen. They, um, you know, that's going uh, to be a good one. Then Sunday, you got Tampa Bay at 640 in the NFC going against the Saints in round three. I think the Saints got him twice, so we'll see if they can knock Tom Brady out. I got one friend that wanted to see that matchup so that they can knock Tom Brady out. So he was pulling for the Saints against the Bears on Saturday. Then on Sunday, you got Cleveland and Kansas City shutting it down. They are for, the Browns will be underdogs, eleven and five against the fourteen and two Chiefs. Um, you know they had the bye week. They were the number one seed in the AFC. Uh, the Browns took it to the Steelers, and uh, you know with Coach Kevin in the basement at his house. So I read all those stories, and Coach Kevin was like, "Hey, you know we, yeah, they're the Super Bowl champs, but we're one of eight teams playing right now." I told that to Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Playing Dealer. 
So the Browns have won eight, and that's all you want to do is be playing each week now as the season keeps going on and anything can happen. So Saturday, Rams at Green Bay, Baltimore at Buffalo. Then Sunday, the 305. Oh, that's the 305. Cleveland's first. Okay, I got the times. I got them in a different order on my paper. Cleveland's first at 305 on Sunday at Kansas City. Then 640, nightcap. Yeah, that's going to be that'll be a good way to close out Tom Brady and Drew Brees on Sunday night. That's our order for the playoffs. So let's go back. We're going to go back to Matt Schaub here. He's talking about his time in Houston uh, after the trade. You know, the trade timing was bad for the Falcons because as soon as they traded him, Michael Vick got into trouble with the federales and uh, ended up going to jail. They uh, knew that the uh, dogfighting case was coming down the pike. They probably would have kept Schaub. But they traded him to Houston, and then after two years of losing, they ended up uh, you know, they got they had Andre Johnson, they got Arian Foster, got their lines together, and uh, went to the playoffs. But here is Matt Schaub talking about that time in Houston, then what he plans to do upon retirement, and then finally we ask him to share with us his thoughts on Rick Smith as um, the GM. Here you go, Matt Schaub. Like uh, in Houston, where you guys were hot and uh, going to the playoffs, um, you know, leading the league in categories and so forth. You know, it was special. Um, obviously, after my third year here, being that Gary Kubiak and Bob McNair and Rick Smith pulled the trigger to, to make a trade for me to bring me into Houston to a young organization um, that had just gone through its first five years without a winning season. Um, you know, and, and be that that next guy and being tasked with being part of the progression of that organization and that franchise into a winner and a team that was going to be in the hunt for division championships, be in the playoffs, and be relevant. Um, I took a lot of pride in going in there and trying to do my best to, to be a solution to what they had been going on. And, um, you know, we did this a couple of years, but we... We won a couple of division championships. We won a couple of playoff games. Ultimately, fell short of the goal of being the last team standing. But you know, we put our put Houston and the Houston Texan organization on the map for you know everyone to recognize that there's, we're doing some good things. And um, you know, having a coach like Gary Kubiak and you know, a guy who played quarterback in the league, and you know, we we gelled really well and. Um, I did a lot of good things. I had a lot of good teammates, and you know, it was really cool to be a part of that that team and that that organization during those years. Yeah, and then just uh, finally, um, you know, what are your plans for the future? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm keeping everything open right now. You know, I, I want to be around the game. I want to be a part of football. It's done so much for my life and, and my family, and, and you know provided me so many opportunities that I still want to be a part of the, the game and be able to, you know, have, have a lasting impact somewhere, somehow. Whatever way that is, I'm not sure yet, but I know one thing that I've spent the last week, I've been taking the kids to school, picking them up, driving them to activities, so I'm just enjoying the family time right now and uh-huh. trying to pick up uh, some of the daddy duties and, uh, working on the honeydew list that uh, I've missed out on the last few months and kind of pay it back to my family for all their uh, sacrifices they made. But, you know, I think if I had to be honest with you, I'd love to 
you know, like I said, be around the game, whether it's in a broadcast and commentating type of role or, mm-hmm. you know, being in an organization, you know, whether it's in an upstairs spot, in personnel, or, or even coaching. I, I, would, I wouldn't rule that out, too, because I feel like being able to help out the young players that come in in the league, there's so many things they can learn, you know, to be able to apply to not only on the field but off the field of being a professional and there's a lot there when you go from college to the league to learn. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, and uh, lastly, just off your story, but a lot of people uh, think Rick Smith might be the new GM here. What kind of guy was he uh, for you uh, down in Texas? Yeah, uh, you know, he, he does a great job. I know one thing I just can say about Rick is um, he did a really good job of identifying um, talent and the type of players. And I think it, it worked really well in conjunction with Gary Kubiak, who mm-hmm. was our head coach. And, you know, knowing the type of players, the style, you know, and how they they would fit with what we were trying to do and finding the best players to perform those roles. And I think that that's key in today's game. If you identify on both sides of the football what you want to be, what your identity is going to be, both in run and pass and defensively up front with scheme, you know, coverages, and finding players that that do those things really good. You know, there's a lot of really talented players, but they're built for certain systems. And if you find yourself finding players that don't really fit in those roles, then things can go sideways. And I think Rick did a really good job of piecing our team together for staying power and also being able to fit our system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, hey. well, there it is. Matt Shaw breaking it down for us here on the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Hey, just a couple things about the draft order here. Um, before we go to draft order, you know, Matt, uh, four kids, three young ladies, one boy, Matthew, uh, daughter, Laura, uh, good family, uh, you know, family there. So family man, he's doing his daddy, daddy duties now and uh, doing those and attending to his honeydew list. And don't we all know about those? Draft order. We got. Uh, Jaguars first, Jets one, Miami three, and Atlanta four, Bengals five. Uh, Ty McShay, ESPN's Ty McShay dropped his first mock on January 7th. And um, he's got the Falcons taking Zach Wilson out of BYU. And he's 6'3", 210. He's got Justin Fields slipping to uh, the New England Patriots at 15, six, and, uh, you know, Justin, 6'3", 228. Um, so we're going to be comparing them to a lot. He said it's a close comparison. Uh, I tried to watch some Zach Wilson. I went, It was really, really uh, hard because um, of the level of play. You know, looks athletic. I don't like 210. That's a little small uh, for me, but... Uh, He's, he looks, you know, looks apart. We'll we'll see. We're going to get breakdowns of him. Uh, I saw Justin light up Clemson, and then, you know, they just got overwhelmed in the title game there. So, Trevor Lawrence is number one in Jaguars. Panay Sewell, offensive tackle to the Jets. Then Miami, they re- reunite Tua with Devontae Smith. And then Zach Wilson goes to... 
Atlanta at four. And then Cincinnati Bengals are getting Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern with the fifth pick. Followed by, uh, and then, then I just got Justin Fields going to New England at 15. That'll cost him some cash, but uh, wouldn't be a bad place to go uh, with uh, Josh Daniels there for now and Coach Bill Belichick. So we're going to wrap up here. The Bowtie Chronicles podcast, we went over the GM candidates. We discussed the coaching candidates. Getting ready for the NFC, uh, AFC playoff games on Saturday and Sunday. So get everything done by 4 on Saturday and get everything done by 3 on Sunday. So no excuse for church this week. And, uh, you know, be ready for the divisional round playoff games. And then the draft order wrapped up with that. Just want to thank Matt Schaub for uh, uh, answering the bell, taking our call, discussing his retirement, and giving us some insight to Rick Smith. So with that, we're going to close here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at DOrlandoAJC. Of course, link to all our stuff on AJC.com. Bookmark that Falcons page. And you can also go to our Falcons page on Facebook, Atlanta Falcons News Now. Take care and have a great rest of the week. AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.